Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 26. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. In this episode, pulled from the Higher Balance archives, Eric shares a unique process of communicating with the Force called Prayer of Enlightenment. This is not prayer in the typical sense. It goes far beyond, and when properly used, it can begin to alter one's reality in profound ways. For every navigator facing challenges along the way, this class is for you. Enjoy! I I want to start off by saying that um, I don't have a problem with people who pray. It's, It's not about prayer. It's about how you pray and and what that means to somebody who's been studying HBI material and kind of where you're at with things and how we see things a bit differently and uh, about plugging into uh, communicating with God. Um, as, as, as I said before, you know, if you're new to all of this, some of the stuff that I'm going to to be covering is going to go over your head. It's going to go over your head because uh, you don't have the training or the knowledge, and some of it you guys might be able to figure out on your own pretty easily. Uh, It is what it is. I've often said that God is is a consciousness throughout the universe. God is not a a human being. God is not a man. So talking to God is not necessarily... You might as well be speaking Chinese or or Zimbabwe or or something. What what God would get out of it are the slight pieces maybe of emotionally what you're trying to say, but even then, it's it's understanding the intricacies of what is being communicated. The, The other problem that I have is that most prayer is always about wanting something. You know, like, God, I need a new roof over my house, or God, I want such and such to find the path, uh, yada, yada, which I consider in some ways mind control. When it, when a church group gets together and say they're going to pray for somebody to find their way to the church or find their way to God, I mean, that's like remote influencing them to to change their will. Um or I'm often amused when somebody says, well, I'm going to pray for this person to fall in love with me or to, to have babies. Can you imagine if you don't want babies and all of a sudden you're, you know, you've know you got uh, 200 people praying for you that, you, you know, that you're going to fall in love with your husband and you're going to have babies or something? I mean, just, just think about how, how in some ways unfair that is. But, but you know, from their perspective, it's very good. It's what's righteous. So this always comes down to what, what perspective of of what's right and what's wrong. I'm not saying that when when we pray that there isn't this this slight sense of trying to to do a direction. I think the difference is between us is we know what we're doing, we take a, a, accountability for it. 
And when they do it, they color it up, well, we're doing it for God, or we're doing it for Jesus, or we're doing it for, for Muslim beliefs, or for Hindu beliefs. And I, I, it, doesn't just, it doesn't rest well with me. It's, it's, to me, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, you might as well call it what, what it is, and you're influencing that person uh, against their will or against their choice, you know, or, or they're, that they're not necessarily fully aware or not fully accepting of it. But I find that the most general level of prayer is very, um, I wouldn't say disturbing to me, but I think for the everyday person, it is a way for them in a helpless situation to not feel helpless, like they have some say, that if they just talk to God and say, this is what I need you to do, God, this is what I want, help this person with this illness, please cure their disease, please spare their life, um, I think it's coming from a sincere place, and it's 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 the only thing you 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 can do. You're powerless to help any other way, and I have always approached it in a very different way because I understand God from my perspective. And of course, some people think I'm an enlightened being, and other people think I'm just Joe Schmo, and that's fine. So, for me. Some people would ask, well, how do you pray to God? What is, what is, how is it that you communicate to God, Eric? What is a basic communication with God? And there's, there's many levels of communication for me. And to say that, that what I call a prayer of enlightenment is, is certainly not the only way that I talk to God. I've, I've shared other methods, other processes of, of talking and conveying and stuff. One of the, the things that I've always felt is, is that there's never enough appreciation for God it's always a crisis that we turn to God. It's always in, in, a, in a sense of need we remember God. We never remember God when, when things are going well or things are doing well. We only turn to God when, when, we're, when it's desperate, and other than that, we never, we never remember God. We just move on with our life. It's very rare for me to see uh, a devoted person in any spirituality be appreciative to God, and those are the ones I respect the most because there are some out there, and I, I have a great deal of respect for those people. Um, but it, it's certainly what I call the, the bigots or the, the, the people who I think are false uh, with their spirituality, that they're not true to God, they're just true to themselves. It's whatever serves their needs, their wants, their desires, and it seems to be that's the, the way that it is. So when, when I pray to God... It is a it is a unique approach because it can get it, it's I don't want to say it's manipulative but it's certainly an underlining of communicating through your 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 heart chakra center your mind center and your chest I'm not saying like like heart and like heartfelt being the the thing that I'm going after what I'm going after is. Uh, a form of communicating in a sense emotionally that God can go, I understand that. More importantly is that God, there, there's a thing in marketing that they, they call static. And static is when you've got 5,000 different marketing companies all trying to sell their stuff at the same time. And if you were the person observing it, you don't hear any one piece of market like buy these jeans or buy these jeans or these jeans are better. All you hear is, is just like static. It's just like a whole thousand voices all going off at the same time because they're all trying to do the same thing, convince you that they have the best pair of jeans. So it's called static. And I think 
the world with prayer has an awful lot of static. A lot of static. Everybody wants something. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's trying to survive. Everybody's got demands, wants, and desires vastly upon God's consciousness. And I don't want to say that God doesn't hear them, but what I want to say that is if I was God, sometimes I would imagine that it's deafening to hear all of these requests, almost demands. They're so desperate. And I think that no matter how much you love somebody, there's only so much that you can give. Even God can only do so much constantly. And therefore, there are people who are always angry when, they're, when their prayers aren't answered or when the things aren't answered and they're, they're upset or angry and then they find their inner peace. They go through all these different motions, yada, yada. Well, God didn't hear my prayers, so I'm not religious no more, so God must not exist. Well, if you were in God's shoes, I mean, can you imagine answering 20 gazillion prayers per second? I mean, that's only our world. Could you imagine all the other worlds in the universe? Galaxies and, and such and such? Um, I find that when I look at the class that I gave on being an optimist, that all the research and studying on being an optimist versus a pessimist, the pessimist being somebody who always sees the negative in life and sees the doom and gloom in life, and an optimist is somebody who says, well, it was a bad thing that happened, but the good thing that's going to come out of it is we've learned a lot more from it, and yada, yada. They've already proven that optimists, um, have longer marriages, that they have better lives, that they their life expectancy, if I'm correct, is longer, that they're generally happier in life in this world. So an, an optimist seems to have a better connection with the universe. I, I often say, you know, look to nature for your answers. Look to nature for the answers in the universe because it, it tends to repeat itself. It's kind of like a conch shell for, for an ocean seashell. And if you were to open it up, you'd see the spiralness in it. And you'd see the spiralness in a, in a fern tree. Or you'd see the spiralness of a galaxy and universes. And, you know, it's, it's the repetitiveness of the universe that you will see in the micro and the macro constantly. And it doesn't mean that it's just the visual things that you see in life that, that actually make that difference. There are things that are, are energy-wise that make that same difference. And I, I can't say that I've ever – I'm not saying that it doesn't exist out there, but I can't say that I've ever really have met a, a plant or a tree or an animal that in truth has been a pessimist in life. I've always found that, that the things in nature have often been uh, optimists. I mean, uh, 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 they either prepare for winter, they prepare for the worst, they, they, they take it in stride. There never seems to be a, a big groaning of, of what life is dealing them. And I think it's human nature that we begroan uh, the ways of the universe instead of working with it to make the best of it. And, uh, of course, tragedy happens in nature. Of course, tragedy uh, happens to, to creatures and animals and forest fires and everything. But in, in some ways, those, those things are also happening on levels that, that we cannot necessarily comprehend. I used to, to think that forest fires were a terrible thing for nature until I became more evolved and more learned about these things because I don't consider myself an expert in any other field than my own spirituality. 
And I realized that it's nature's way of cleaning out the old trees, the old growth, the 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 trees that have gotten old that are still standing but they're dead and their shadow is preventing the light from the saplings from growing. And so none of the new trees can grow. Or the fact that fresh oxygen is mainly com coming from new trees growing and that older trees produce less oxygen and they pretty much are, are done producing a, an exchange of absorbent uh, carbon monoxide versus the oxygen they produce. So when there's a fire or a storm, it's, it's kind of cleaning out the old so that it makes way for the new. It, it's almost a necessary evil. So even when we, we see something terrible in, in life, there usually in nature is a good reason to create greater life or more life uh, from that. And that's an, an optimistic view. And when you really look at it, you have to see it, that it's sad in a way, it's bittersweet, but there is a greater truth to it. Which brings me now to the idea of, of prayer and, and how well does one's mind understand the architecture of the universe? How well does, under, how does, how does one understand God and God's relationship with the universe? And in so doing, when you understand God's relationship, you may be very frustrated. You may be very angry. You may say, why do these things happen to me? And, and I would say, well, it's Shiva. It's, 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 it's Kali. It's, it's destruction so that new life can grow from it. I often say, you know, we don't grow as people unless we have some kind of struggle that we have to deal with in order to grow from it. I know certainly all the struggles I've had in my life, I, I haven't wanted <laughs> that's for sure, and still don't. But on the other hand, I, I have to try to find the optimistic view in it and say, if it wasn't for those things, would I be the person that I am today, the person that you love, the, the teacher that I am? And would I judge people more harshly had I not had those experiences? So I, I do love the 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 saying from, you know, a great master who said, you know, before I take the, the speck out of, you know, my fellow man's eye, I need to take the log out of my own. I often say, well, forget the log, the log mill out of my own. I, I'm just not into judging other people. And I accept people for who they are. I've seen it all. And and had I not seen and experienced the, the tragedies in my life, the terrible things and the mistakes that I've made and the good things that I've done, I would not be the person that I am today. Of course, I might want to do things differently now, of course, but but I can't. So I have to look at it and I have to say, did they help shape me to the person I am today and do I like who I am today? And and I do like who I am and I'm I'm glad to be who I am. And I think that uh, that those things are what are helping me to be the person I am to reach out to all of you. And so that is an optimist point of view. That is, in my opinion, the right point of view to have to have a spiritual relationship with God. I don't think God wants to house itself or to contain itself in a vessel to explore this universe in a person that's a pessimist. Someone that's, oh, I mean, do you want to hang out with a pessimist all day? Do you want to be around somebody who's always seeing the world in a negative light in a negative way? Of course not. You you resist these people. But you do want to be around somebody who tends to see things in a positive way. Maybe not over-the-top positive, but positive. And I think God is the same way. God wants to be around somebody who sees the beauty in life, who sees the beauty in things, who sees the beauty in problem-solving rather than problem-being the consumptive. So... I I think that it's 
it's very important to take that in consideration and how does one, you know, uh, approach that. So if, if God prefers the company, just like man may prefer, the company of an, of an optimist over a pessimist. I'm not saying a pessimist can't have God help them, because sometimes God very much does help them. But there has to be a break in the, the pessimist for a moment that I think is a window of optimism that invites God into their life. And that is the moment that miracles happen. That that if the pessimist is purely pessimistic, I think that they're the ones who say, well, God did not intervene in my life. God did not help me. God did not do something wonderful for me. I think that they were purely pessimistic. They were purely demanding. They were purely in a place in their heart that was just so dark and so dreadful and so fearful that it consumed them. Fear consumed them. I always remember Don Juan Carlos Casanata in, in one of their the, the books during the teachings. And Don Juan, I believe it was, was saying to Carlos in regards to death that that mourning over someone's death was selfish. That it was a selfish thing to do. Because this person who's who's passed on now wants to move on into the universe. And the will of the person who can't let them go holds them here. It's like that desire holds them there, and they're, they're, they're like afraid to move on. It's like a child, it's like a mother that smothers their child from growing and wants them to stay in the same neighborhood nearby them for their own selfish means, for their, for their love. And they can't see past by letting them free that they're going to grow in the world and become more knowledgeable and more experiential in life and that that's part of growth so they can grow beyond their own parents and some parents don't let them do that they smother them so in either case um i think that that to be pessimistic in 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 letting someone go of course i too don't want to let people i love go when i'm in a human body of course i'm going to mourn them of course i'm going to be sad for them but fortunately for me, I have an advantage because I also know what, what else is happening for them. And I'm only being selfish because I'm thinking about my moment now. When, when someone dies, time changes dramatically. Spatial time changes. Your perspective changes. You're not hindered by all of the organic biochemicals in the human body that makes you feel extremely attached to one another. It's not to say that you don't love someone immensely and that you're not attached to them immensely. But what it, 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 it is is that you instantly go through these micro moments that are very fast but seem very slow because you're moving at, at a higher speed of consciousness. You, you see a form of uh, release. You see a form of emancipation. You see a form of, of liberation instantly while that other person is in a slower state of consciousness and they're just dealing with this moment. They're dealing with your death. But at the moment of your true death, you are emancipated from the burdens and cycle of this dimension and you're like you're like like all of a sudden feeling all of the universe around you. You're feeling God around you. You're feeling vibration. You're being flooded with, with memories from past lives and, and you feel more complete all of a sudden. You don't feel like you're so disconnected and for the first time you feel like you you are finally connected to something more. So you definitely feel at a much more rapid speed because you are energy and higher speed frequency. You definitely feel the need to progress and move on. 
And so the yearning of someone that loves you, who you still love greatly, that can't let you go. They, they can't understand what you're feeling now. They can't understand that feeling of liberation. I imagine it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a college student who just can't get away from their parents fast enough because they're so excited about the environment, and the parents are hanging on because they're afraid to let them go. Both rightfully correct. Both rightfully in their heart, you know, not, not wrong. But Carlos Castaneda, Don Juan, Don Juan would say, well, this is selfishness because you should let them go on. They're on to their, to their adventure. They've finished their work here. They've completed what they need to do here. And your yearning for them is anchoring them here. It's, it's what's making them feel complex or, or fighting with their emotions because they can feel you so intensely right now. And they feel your sadness. And so they don't want to abandon you and they don't want to leave you. So it's a very hard struggle. It's a very difficult thing, and even I would have trouble with it and have had trouble with it, but I guess I, I probably adapt a little bit better than most people knowing what I know. So it's, don't think that if you can't do that, that it's abnormal. It's perfectly normal. Having said that, praying to God for me is, is about praying to God about being not grateful but thankful there is a difference between grateful and thankful. I think words are an extremely important thing. And so if you have other cultures, I want to point out that it's important that you give this a lot of thought because what I say in English may not be appropriate for your own culture, your own language. So you have to find the right interpretation. But I'm speaking purely towards English people. So that's who I'm, I'm here to, to, to help at this moment. Um, when I pray... I say that I'm uh, thankful for the people in my life. I share that with my heart. I'm thankful for all of my, my coaches, all of my friends, all of the people I meet in my life. I am thankful. And this is what I tell God. I am thankful that I have had the opportunity to meet these individuals, to share my life and to share part of my life with them and a part of their life has been shared with me. I am thankful for that. I'm not grateful, um, even though they sound familiar. Words mean different things if you feel your heart center, your chest center. Grateful means it's more like humbling, like you're, 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 you know, like you were thrown a few um, morsels. It's not about morsels. It's not about martyrdom. You want to be very careful because the universe is a very uh, sensitive being. It, God is very sensitive to what you feel and will react to every subtle little thing in a very specific way. So the, the best way to approach God, which rises above all the static, what, what makes your prayer stand out above all the static, all the want, all the desire, all the control, all the demands, all the needs, is that yours is about thankfulness. I'm thankful that I had an opportunity to teach all of you. I'm thankful for that. And that's what I tell God. Dear God, I am thankful for the opportunity you gave me to teach all of these beautiful people. I am thankful for the opportunity that I've had to to serve you. I am thankful that I had the opportunity to serve all of the, the white cells. I am thankful for the ones that we were able to find. Now, notice I didn't say anything about the ones we didn't find. Now, 
this is the, the trick to it all, and it sounds very manipulative in a way, but the universe is an odd thing at times. Nothing seems to be quite what it is. There is a secondary part inside of me that yearns for the rest of the white self to be found. So when I say I'm thankful for all of the white cells that I have found, I truly, truly am. I mean, imagine, imagine how many years I've looked for all of you. Just, it's just beyond comprehension. And then all of a sudden, one day we start HBI, and, and all of a sudden I'm finding now tens of thousands. I am so thankful to find you. Is it enough? No, but you know what? It is. For me to have found one or two, I am so thankful to have found one or two that that's what God needs to hear. It's like it's like when I say to you guys, I just want to be a little appreciated. It's not about ego. I just want to know that you guys are, are really appreciative about what you found for what I'm, I'm showing you. That I want to feel that thankfulness. I don't want it to be fake like in that last song. Don't just say you're, you're thankful. I want, to, I want to feel it. And it's not for me. It's for God. Because I believe it's God that created this opportunity. So instead of saying to God... God, you know, I'm praying to you because we've got to find more white cells. We have to find more. Can you please send us more? We, we, we need to grow in numbers. We need to do better in business. We need to do have less troubles in our life so that we're less distracted. Please help us, God. No, it, it's more demands on God. It's more stress. It's more whatever. What, what would God want to give him a reason to want to help me? Because I'm the one saying, I am so thankful for what you've done already. I am so thankful for what you've given us already. I am so thankful for, for the people that we have found. That that's, that's good enough for me. I yearn for more. You feel that, God. I know you feel it. But that that is secondary to what I really feel of gratitude and thankfulness for what you have given me. That is the difference that you need to understand. That one cannot set demands on God. God, you cannot set demands and say, God, I'm praying for the flower to bloom. Please make it bloom for me. You've got to be thankful that the flower is even growing in your garden. You have to be thankful that you will have the opportunity one day to see that flower bloom. You have to be thankful that you are present and alive and breathing, that you know that you'll probably get to see it bloom. You are thankful for the opportunity. That's what makes God want to do more for you. That's what makes you different than everybody else. That's what makes God want to sun his, put his sunshine on you and water you and nourish you and protect you. Because you are making God feel as if his efforts have been worthwhile. God wants to be loved also. God wants that reciprocation. God doesn't want a child that's always want, 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 want. Have, have you ever had a child... After they want, 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 what what are the most golden moments that you have is probably one of them has got to be when your child comes up to you and sincerely looks you in the eye and says, thank you, mama, thank you, dada, thank you, poppy. And they smile and they hug you because they're, they're so happy and you feel that it's genuine. Don't you want to go out and do more? Don't you feel more protective over that? Don't you feel as if that that you finally have been acknowledged for some of the stuff you're doing. It's not about ego. It's just about saying, you know, I did a good thing and I want to do more of those good things. I, this person gets it. They get it. They're growing from it instead of being spoiled from it. So if someone were to be dying from cancer, 
I wouldn't say, you know, please stop them from having cancer. Please make the cancer go away. I mean, sure, that's what I want in my heart. Of course it's what I want in my heart. But I would say, God, I'm so thankful for the time that I've had with this person. I'm so thankful that they found that they have cancer. I'm so thankful that they have a chance now to, to fight this cancer off. I'm so thankful they have a chance to live and they, they, they didn't find it too late. If it is too late and we're told, I'm so thankful for the time that I have had with this person. And I will be thankful for every single moment up until the moment they pass that I get to spend with them and got to know who they were and it became a part of me. I am thankful, God, for you allowing that time in this world. I am thankful. And that may be hard because it may not be in your heart what you want to really say, but God knows what in your heart what you really want. When your child tells you, thank you, Dada, thank you, Mama, you know in your heart what you're being thankful for, and you know what it's going to take to get more of that because you really like that thankfulness. You love that love, and so you want to get more of that, don't you? God is very similar. And if that person passes or that tragedy just comes to be, then I say to you this, I'm thank you for the troubles I have for they are making me the person that I have become. I'm thankful for the challenges I have, no matter how burdensome they are and how hard to swallow they may be. <laughs> now I'm stretching it. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I'm alive. I'm thankful that I'm breathing. I'm thankful that I don't live in a mud hut and I have malaria or my family's dying from malaria and the last four kids I have have died or my brothers and sisters I mean, and if I'm in if I'm in Africa and I'm living in a mud hut, I'm thankful I have a mud hut that I live in and that my hands haven't been chopped off by the rebels down the road. I'm thankful, Lord, that 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 I have what I have. I'm thankful for the few meager roots that I have to eat from. I'm thankful when my arms got chopped off that my head did not get chopped off, Lord. Thankful. I am so thankful to you that I still have a chance to exist here and to see this beautiful world that you created. It's, it's, it sounds so difficult, but in truth, it's what God needs to hear. It's what, what, what makes God recognize you. When I get up sometimes 4.30 in the morning, I'll sit at the foot of my bed. I don't get on my hands and knees. I don't think God needs me on my hands and knees. But I'll sit at the foot of my bed, and I'll take a deep breath, and then I'll think of a few things, and I'll say, you know, God, I am so thankful for the people in my life, I cannot even begin to thank you enough. I'm so thankful for the opportunity of the things that I've seen in this world, the things that I have done in this world. I am so, I am so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful. And that is how I pray. That is the prayer of enlightenment. That is the prayer that, that God can respond to and understand and relate to. It is followed by an emotion. It is followed by a feels like that is projected out if you listen carefully. And it knows what you want, but in truth, you're not, you're not necessarily asking. You're simply demonstrating and opening your heart and saying, God, uh, 
with all the troubles in the world, I just want you to know that I acknowledge that you're there and that you may not be able to fix everything, and maybe everything isn't meant to be fixed. Maybe it's exactly the way it's supposed to be so I can grow from it, and I don't like it, but you know what? Sometimes when you're punished by your parents, it takes you 20 years to realize they were actually doing you a lot of good and they did it out of love. I don't know. All I know is I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunities that I have, and I'm thankful for this opportunity to share what I'm sharing with you now. And I, I hope it was worth your time. If you would like to get the after hours recording of this class, you can visit rebelgururadio.com forward slash episode 26. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance. We think outside of the box. A new kind of spirituality. A new kind of meditation. A revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.